Now streaming, the Netflix and Swill podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Netflix and Swill podcast, your source for Netflix news, reviews, and booze. I'm Caleb. And I just did a point at the camera for no reason whatsoever. I thought you were just going like, ka-chow, good intro. No, it was uh, like, oh, we have like a live audience here. Yours, so it was like pointing at the camera, yours, like uh, Edgar Snyder, like for (laughs) you. Oh man, that's such a specifically Pittsburgh reference. Mm-hmm. Fuck, uh, when I was at the Penguins game at, uh, you know, the day before Thanksgiving, uh, they had an animated Edgar Snyder, and I went around asking a bunch of my family members, hey, did Edgar Snyder die? Because if you remember the Empire Carpet guy, he was a live person until he died, and then they made him a fucking cartoon character. (laughs) So now I'm operating under the assumption that Edgar Snyder is not in good health and will die soon. Oh, no. We'll have fucking Edgar Snyder deep fake commercials. I don't know. To give to give non Pittsburgh region people like a sense of how prolific Edgar Snyder was, like on TV and shit in that area. Like whenever I was a kid, like uh my mom was involved in a car accident that like we we had to like hire a lawyer to mm-hmm. represent us because of like damages and stuff. Uh, so I remember like being two or three going to this lawyer's office with my mom. And I still remember cause it was, it, it's no longer the number, but like at the time I was like, if you're hurting an accident, call attorney Edgar Snyder at three, nine, one, two, one Oh one. That's three, nine, one, two, one Oh one. And the attorney laughed and was like, I'm better than Edgar Snyder. <laughs> <laughs> Get fucked. Edgar Snyder. <laughs> I remember, uh, one of the first times I was down in downtown Pittsburgh working a big boy job. Uh, I had just gotten off the bus and was walking towards my, my, my office building. Uh, when I noticed uh, one of either Steidel in, or or Steinberg, uh, who are another Pittsburgh oh, yeah. area based uh, attorney pair, uh, walking into his own office building. And I just went, oh, it's that guy. I don't know which one you are, because one of you looks like a hippie and one of you looks like a regular human being. But <laughs> you're there. That's funny. But yeah, we're here. We're back. We're going to do a show. What an oddly specifically weird intro we just had. Yeah. Sometimes it's fun to just take a trip down memory lane. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, How are you? Uh, I am well. We just finished up inventory at work. That went smooth. (sighs) By the time I get a day off, I will have worked 13 consecutive days. Good God. So. There's that. I don't envy you. I've worked yeah, 13 consecutive days before. It was at the post office. Uh, I made a lot of money. So I envy you for that. I don't envy you for the the actual work, but the, the paycheck afterward is going to be amazing. Yeah, it'll be nice. All right. Uh, why don't we do a segment? Uh, we start every show with a segment called What's Your Swill? Can we please get some alcohol into my mouth? He hates these cans. Stay away from the can! And I am just drinking water because I have an upset tummy, but I see that you have a beer there. I do. It is a Dragon's Milk White, the bourbon barrel-aged white stout. I didn't know that was a thing. Uh, It's a white stout with coffee, chocolate, and vanilla extract. Uh, So this is what a white stout looks like, Caleb. Looks awfully brown. Yeah? Uh, it's uh, it's not good. I'm actually sad to say a dragon's milk beverage is not good. Uh, so, unfortunately, the, the only can it's in is uh, this large one here. So that means I basically have two glasses of this to drink. Yeah, something like that. Doesn't say on here. But it's a 6% alcohol by volume. 
I am very sad that it's it's not great. It's uh 32 fluid ounces. Oh Jesus. Or, or no. Wait, I'm sorry, no. I was wrong. Uh 19.2 fluid ounces. Okay. I re- I read it wrong. I was like I couldn't see the the little dot there. Now, I think the Now, I think the potential problem is I brought this from Pittsburgh with me. Uh, I didn't have a problem with the Dragon Smoke Reserve last week, but this may not have kept as well. So, yeah. potential. Bummer. Uh, let's keep this momentum rolling and get into some news. Oh, shit, it's mail time. So, Halle Berry, uh, known from having a rap song about her, uh, has signed a multi-picture film deal with Netflix. That's true. That's That's what happened. She did that. Uh, any thoughts? I don't know. She just had that one come out. Yep. Bruised. Haven't seen it. Uh, we'll let you guys know because I've heard mixed things, but of course that sounds like a normal directorial debut where it's like, Hey, you did some good things. You did some bad things. Learn from it. We'll see what your second one looks like. Yeah. Uh, not everybody's Jordan Peele. Or Ari Aster. Uh, a former Netflix engineer has been sentenced to two years in prison for his role in an insider trading ring. Dan, you're the money guy. What do you think of this? Uh, good. I don't know, man. You're yeah. you're you're using your internal knowledge that isn't shared with the public in order to uh, have ill-gotten gains. So you fucking deserve probably more prison time than this, because it's not just him. It was like four or five other people were involved, including another former employee. Uh, Back in like 2017, I think I think I remember, I remember us talking about this. I, I want to say earlier this year where he was found guilty, but I don't remember, you know, the the initial like him getting arrested kind of stuff. But yeah, I think two years is a little light, uh, but I guess it also might depend on how much money he made. I think it says he made around a million bucks, and I think they have to forfeit that. Let me find it. Yep. So John, uh, his name is uh, Sumo Sumo John. Uh, it's a, sorry, is an Eastern name, and I'm bad at those. Uh, he has to forfeit uh, nearly five hundred thousand dollars, and uh, one of his co-conspirators, uh, John Wu Chan, will need to sp- uh, forfeit. Good God, uh, one point five million dollars. Damn. So yeah, two guys forfeiting almost two million dollars. So they they met up pretty well with that. All right, uh, that'll be all the news for this week, so that'll bring us right into downstream. Baby, I can't control the internet. That's my favorite line! Uh, we got a few trailers this week. Uh, the first one is for Saturday Morning All-Star Hits Season 1. Uh, calling this Season 1 is ambitious. Saturday, <laughs> Saturday Morning All-Star Hits is an adult animated and live-action hybrid series celebrating all that is 80s and 90s television. Wildly irreverent and slightly disturbing, twin hosts Skip and Traybor take us on a trip through Saturday morning cartoon experience. Uh, I have no interest in this. I actually thought that this was based off of something like they like they were reviving the Saturday morning cartoon thing and then, you know, basically doing that kind of a, a block around, you know, three hours of content. Turns out that's not what this is, and it's just like an adult swim thing. Yeah, I don't know. It's weird. They're like riffing on Care Bears and Thundercats and He-Man and shit like that. So. Yeah. Uh, Doesn't look that great. Nope. All right. Second trailer is for Coming Out Colton. This is Colton Underwood's story of self-discovery coming out as a gay man, including addressing his past and embracing his place in the LGBTQ community. Watches the former professional football player and the star of The Bachelor embarks on his personal journey to a new reality. Um, if you want to watch something feel good about uh, a guy coming to grips with his past and trying to better himself as a person and accept himself as a person, this is uh, that thing that I just said. I mean. So technically, he made it to the NFL, but based off of his career under his I uh, under his Wikipedia page, uh, it's not he no because he was he was uh, 
signed as an undrafted free agent, waived, signed to a practice squad, released from that practice squad, signed to another practice squad, signed a future contract, waived, placed on injured reserve, uh, waived from injured reserve, signed to another practice squad, released. So, like, kind of he made it, but (laughs) calling him a former professional football player, I don't know, feels a little generous. I don't know. Um, I don't know anything about sports ball, man. What team did he sign with? Uh, he basically bounced around the Chargers, the Eagles, back to the Chargers. Uh, I went to the Raiders and then left the league. Hmm. Okay. So. I uh, uh, I, I guess this will be nice for people who... You know, feel like we need more actual gay representation from athletes and reality TV people, I guess, because sure. I mean, I guess it's a thing. I don't know. I, I don't understand it, uh, but I'm also white and straight and, I, and I've had a lot of those guys on my TV for a long time. So maybe I take it for granted. I don't know. I think uh, more representation in general is always a good thing, even if I'm not interested in you know, the particular thing that it is. So, Mm. all right. uh, Speaking of things that I have no personal connection to, but I guess uh, you might. uh, Stories of a generation with Pope Francis over a year of filming across the globe to tell 18 stories of people over 70. Uh, Why? Because there are lives that can inspire our own stories of a generation with Pope Francis coming December 25th. Dan, you're Catholic, I think. Formerly, yes. Like 14 years ago was the last time I was practicing. <laughs> what you what do you what did you think? You like the Pope? This this looks like uh I think Barack Obama did a series like this where he just is like talking to people about their lives and stuff, yeah. and it's like super feel good. Well, I don't even think it's the Pope running around talking to people. It's just people like it's presented by Pope Francis for some fucking reason. And they talk to people like Martin Scorsese, which that's going to be my favorite episode ever. (laughs) (laughs) And they talk to like real people who are like normal people. I think Jane Goodall is one of them. Jane Goodall is one of them. Yeah. So like, cool. Yeah, we do have something to learn from them boomers, but also get off the planet already. (laughs) Oh, man. Um. I'm every time I see her pop up in something, I'm consistently surprised that Jean Goodall's still alive. I agree. Cause Been like out in the wild that long with around chimpanzees, not had her face torn off. <laughs> well, there's that, but uh, I don't know. Like I just remember seeing stuff about Jane Goodall when I was like in kindergarten and uh, she was what I would think of as like an old lady at that point. So yeah, right. it's like, Oh, wow. She's like, I've I've made it 30 years past that and she's still here. Jesus, is Jane Goodall 50? <laughs> she was at one point. And she was. Uh, I remember her specifically uh, in the Wild Thornberries movie where she told Eliza that Darwin should be free. And then uh, Eliza basically did the fucking. Um, uh, oh, what? thing what was the thing where like what's the movie where the kid t- yells at the dogs to just get the fuck out go on get out of here i think yeah, that's that white fang okay yeah he, i think he it's does, white fang yeah he, so she does the white fang thing to darwin and then realizes her mistake and then there's a cross continent trek to try to get darwin back and tell jane goodall to fuck herself <laughs> <laughs> i could be misremembering though but I don't know. This this is a thing. I don't care. All right. So far, a lot of things we don't care about, and uh, that trend's going to continue uh, <laughs> with this next trailer for Stay Close. Four people, dark secrets, in a past that threatens their lives. Stay Close is the gripping new thriller from Harlan Coben, uh, who wrote The Stranger, Safe, and The Five, which questions how much you really know someone. Uh, when Carlton Flynn vanishes 17 years to the night after Stuart Green did, it sets off a chain reaction in the lives of people connected to both men. This is 
mm-hmm. a movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a it's a series. Oh. Uh, I I know this that because Har- Harlan Coben uh, makes the same fucking show every time. It's like Dick Wolf making the Law and Order things. Uh, you 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 walk into a thing. It says Harlan Coben's whatever, and you know exactly what it is, and you're just like, this is my comfort food. I love this shit. And you sit down with a plate of ribs, and you're like, oh, these fucking ribs are delicious. Look at Harlan Coben do his thing. If they didn't tell me that it was Harlan Coben in this trailer, I would have guessed Tyler Perry. Oh, no, it's it's too white for that. Mm, it's okay. <laughs> but yeah, uh, if you like Harlan Coben things, this is for you. If you're tired of Harlan Coben things, this thing isn't for you. Move on. All right. Uh, speaking of moving on, uh, we got the trailer for Tiger King, the Doc Antle story. Uh, it'll never die. Let's milk these big cats for all they're worth. Uh, mm-hmm. just like the people that we hate in the documentary series. Uh, showman or conman behind Doc Antle's eccentric, animal-loving facade lies a history of troubling accusations. Tiger King: The Doc Antle Story premieres December tenth. More outrageous allegations, more eye-opening revelations. The mind-blowing saga of Joe Exotic, Carol Baskin, and Jeff Lowe is far from over. Please, God, let it be over. If this was Tiger King 2, I think we'd all look upon it more favorably. Yeah, probably. I don't know. Like, Tiger King 2 was just so fucking whatever to me. I I haven't even watched it, but it it just felt like such a cash grab. Yeah, but like, I don't know. Like I said, like it was funny seeing them at the fucking <laughs> Trump rally or whatever, mm. and just how fucking awkward that whole segment was on the show. But like, I don't know. I guess we'll get to learn about Doc Antle's weird sex cult. And I think that's the thing is like everyone after Tiger King season one went, "Hold on, what about this fuck Doc Antle?" And then they were just like, eh, look, more Joe Exotic shit, guys, look at it. And then they come out with this and it's like, oh, well, this would have been the thing people were interested in. But then you showed that you had no story for anybody else. So yeah. now you've killed all of your momentum for this. Well, like now we know why there wasn't Doc Antle shit in Tiger King part two. Like, I don't know if like, I guess they just wanted to cash in on the hype around it and kind of wrap up all the Joe Exotic shit. Uh, but then this is like their their real second thing, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. It's whatever. Yeah. Uh, maybe Casey Moore will tell us if if there's um, Casey Moore Tiger King stuff coming along the p- way. Yeah. Look at that dumb pun. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> All right. Uh, and that'll bring us over into quick hits. <laughs> Uh, Dan, I see you have nothing to contribute this week, so I will talk about a show. Uh, it's called Dogs in Space. Okay. Uh, so this popped up in, like, suggested things, and I was like, eh, sure, whatever. Uh, so this is, like, I'd call it Adventure Time Adjacent, where it's, like, ostensibly for kids, but it's, like, adult-ish in -hmm. some aspects. So, like, um... It's basically like a future Earth, like uh, the the world has like for better for like lack of a better descriptor, like Earth is becoming uninhabitable because like humans suck shit. Mm-hmm. So they uh, send genetically enhanced dogs to uh, explore the galaxy and and fetch a new planet for uh humans to live on that's literally what they say so like it's dogs <laughs> doing dog things and like dog based comedy uh but it's like futurama funny look at the wacky aliens sure. um i don't know the biggest like significant thing i guess to this for me is that like uh sarah chalk and chris parnell are both on the voice cast so you have beth and jerry smith that is weird. 
as Wait, is dogs. This, is this bankroll by Justin Roiland? Uh, it's not actually. It's no, just then, a just a happy coincidence. Yeah, because I know you, you've talked about the the dog show uh, and doing one to do with dog the dog world show, but the, the, they didn't do it, so they just did it as an episode of Rick and Morty. Yeah. Uh, and then the like the lead dog, the captain, uh, is voiced by Haley Joel Osment, uh, who you might know as a Scientologist from fucking uh, was that in Kaminsky Method? That sure was. Yeah, I couldn't remember if it was that or Grace and Frankie, but yeah, yeah, uh, it's okay. I watched like three episodes. It's not too bad. It's a cute little show. Okay. It's dogs being dogs, but they're also space captains. What a what a weird thing. Okay, sure. All right. Um, I also started watching JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Part Six: Stone Ocean, so I have to do a new commercial. That's true. Uh, so far so good. The it's uh, it's the first JoJo with a female JoJo. So mm-hmm. like, they're they're making great lengths to. Turn everybody straight again who is into JoJo. Um, yeah, how are they handling that considering it as a female JoJo? Not the fans, I just not, meant like the not writing the best. staff. They, uh, they kind of hypersexualize the main character a bit in the first couple episodes because uh, they have to like, you know, like the plot is her going to prison. So like uh, she fucks with the guards, like they have to do like a, a search on her when they bring her into the prison. So she fucks with the guards by getting into like a fucking downward dog position and like showing her them her butthole. So it's, it's that kind of shit. It's anime. What do you expect? I mean, high rise invasion, basically. (laughs) It's, it's nowhere near that bad. Oh, good. Um, I like it though. But yeah, like that's that's the joke in the JoJo fandom is that like uh, we're we're all gay because of like the uh, like muscly, semi effeminate, like half nude male protagonists. Now, uh, in regards to this, can we talk about the New York governor's office making a fucking JoJo reference in order to reach out to the weebs? Yeah, it was great. It's like, hey, did you go to uh, Anime Con? You should get a COVID test. But they do it as like Jotaro and Dio approaching. It's like, oh, Jotaro. you're approaching me. Dio. Ho. <laughs> that's that's the Japanese. That's that's what happens. And uh, it's. Oh, my. I. Nani. I. I. <sighs> It's great. We live in a society. <laughs> but it's only a so-so society. Uh-huh. I'm so mad. Yeah. Th- this is whatever. the world that I was born into. It's uh it's the one we got. Ba 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 I'm loving it. <sighs> All right. Well, uh, with that, let's cut into a quick break. And when we come back from that, we will talk about our main view topic for the week. Uh, the the big Netflix awards movie hopeful, The Power of the Dog. In space. The Netflix and Swole podcast is brought to you by our patrons. Gerald Morris, Bill Sutton, Nick Haskins, Ashley the Bubby Gorski, Ben Kiefer, Paul Prezula, Daniel Henderson, Julio Oliveira, Jimmy De La Rosa, Chris Yaney, Brianna Petty, Nate Wade, Alan Gallarisi, Duty Dutram, Casey Moore, The Nerd Revert, and Dan's Mom. If you would like to become a patron of the show, find us at netflixandswill.com slash Patreon. Buy some shit. Visit netflixandswill.com slash merch. Leave a review and tell me how good I'm getting at public speaking. Visit netflixandswill.com slash Apple Podcasts. Thanks for letting us live our dreams of being professional idiots. We now return you to your regularly scheduled banter. Welcome back, everybody. Caleb, it's time to get into our main view topic for the week. The Power of the Dog. Power of the Dog is a new drama romance western movie on Netflix. It's a 7 out of 10 on IMDb. Charismatic rancher Phil Burbank inspires fear and awe in those around him. 
When his brother brings home a new wife and her son, Phil torments them until he finds himself exposed to the possibility of love. That's kind of what happens. Uh, Dan, what did you think of The Power of the Dog? All right. Now, of course, I don't want to get into spoilers, but that's that you're right. That is kind of what happens, uh, except not really. Uh, I like it. It's what's being touted as Netflix's great hope for this award season. Uh, yeah. Best director kind of stuff. Best picture kind of stuff. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, all I know is I enjoyed it uh, for what it wound up being. Uh, I can tell you for like the first Mm, actually like the middle 30 minutes i was like uh i don't know about this movie and then you know the last hour and the first 30 minutes i was like "Ah, yeah i like this yeah uh for my part i thought that this was a really strong performance by bimble jim crumblebum uh also kirsten dunst was okay in it uh jesse plemons pretty good uh every time i see him in something i I think that he's Jim Gaffigan and it's hilarious to me. See, he whenever uh, I, I know we hate the movie, the master, but uh, when they, when they cast him as Philip Seymour Hoffman's son in the master, I just went, well, I mean, that's just perfection casting. You can't get better than that. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. I don't know. It's uh drama romance, Western. It's uh, definitely a drama. It's mostly a Western. It's somewhat a romance. I yeah. guess. Yeah, that's that sounds about right. But uh yeah, it's good. I I actually liked it, so. Well, that's that's a big step up from uh, past years where it's their Oscar slate and we fucking hate it. Yeah, what well, uh the hillbilly elegy. <laughs> this is I, a much I better almost movie said than... redneck effigy. <laughs> Same thing. This is much better than Hillbilly Elegy or whatever the fuck that was. But like, eh, I don't know, man. Uh, all I can think of through the entire movie is, wow, what an asshole Benedict Cumberbatch is. He is <laughs> just such an asshole. And I don't, such a I, dick. I don't even think he's acting. I think he's just being British. <clears throat> yeah, he's just being Doctor Strange, just yeah. snarky to everybody. Just so, I mean, belittling everybody. I guess uh, there there is a sequence where um, Kirsten Dunst is trying to practice a song on the piano because uh, for some reason, Jesse Plemons just keeps saying, you're really good at just the piano. Hounding her. Yeah. And you're, she's uh, just uncomfortable play. with it. Right. And, and, you know, that's its own problem in its own right. But, uh, you know, she she's trying to play this song and Benedict Cumberbatch comes in. And he just goes and, straight and plays upstairs. it much better on the banjo. Yeah. And you're just like, what? Like, I get it, <laughs> but also, fuck you. Oh, my. There's that. There's that whole lot uh, when they first they first meet and they stop at uh, her place of business and he just berates the waitstaff. Who yeah. is her son, which is. Threatens him with a bad Yelp review. Uh, which in the Old West was when you just yell out the window like, hey, this place sucks. Hey, this place is run by Nancy's. Cause I ain't got no better words. I was actually surprised that we didn't hear the F word until about uh two thirds of the way through. Yeah. Well also like he's you know, the the rough tough cowboy, but like it also says like he went to Yale or whatever. It's like it's not like he's just some shit kicker, but Right. But that's the thing, is like when whenever they call him charismatic, it's like he he's just a guy who is so sure of himself <laughs> in, in an area where everyone's fucking stupid. That's a form of charisma, I guess. But it, yeah, when they, when they said that, it's like I mean I understand what you're saying. I'll even play along with it. But like I don't find this guy any more charismatic than you know a regular old dude. It's just because everyone else around him is stupid. Yeah. What did you think of uh, Kirsten Dunst's overacting? I mean, whatever. <laughs> yeah, you know. basically, like her her character's whole arc is that like, uh, she marries Jesse Plemons. Uh, his brother is a an insufferable asshole to her, makes her hate herself. 
Uh, so she turns to hard drinking. <laughs> yeah. Which I laugh at, but like, whole, like, holy fuck. Can you imagine being so insufferable that people, the only way people can stand you is if they are fucking hammered all the time? Yes. Okay. I mean, not us, but <laughs> you, you know who I mean. But uh. like, yeah, I was like. I saw her take the one drink and I'm like, okay, you're just doing that to calm your nerves. And then you just start seeing the bottles litter around the house. You're like, oh my God, this man has caused so much psychological damage to this woman. Yeah, that's how you can tell it's a real problem because she's like hiding bottles of hooch in the fucking underwear drawer. She's like scrounging like mostly empty bottles out of the alley and like suffering like very obvious withdrawal symptoms. So. And just having like fits of hysteria. Yeah. And I think that's the other thing about uh, Cumberbund's character is that he doesn't think anybody else is as smart as him. So that's why when it comes down to how the movie wraps up, it's very surprising to him because he's just like, I'm the smartest person there's ever been in, in these here parts. No one's smarter than me. And because of that, uh, someone is able to take advantage. Yeah. Huh. I didn't realize uh, Cody Smith McPhee, who plays uh, Peter in the movie, the the kid that Phil torments relentlessly. Uh, he was uh, Nightcrawler in the bad X-Men movies. I didn't even see any of those movies past the first one, so I wouldn't have even known he was nah. bad Nightcrawler. What, uh, yeah, I was just trying to remember if I've seen him in stuff. He was uh, the main character's voice in Paranorman. Um, oh, yeah, I was I, I did leave through his um, IMDb because I was trying yeah, to figure out where he I also, knew him from. He was in Dolomite is my name, which is where I might actually recognize him. Is he from. on the film crew? Uh, he plays Nick, whoever that is. I'm betting that's somebody on the film crew. I I think so. I think like a sound guy or something. Yeah, I'm fairly confident those are the that's the only other than like the the studio execs. uh, Those are the only other white people in the movie. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Do you want to throw a rating on this and then get into spoilers? Sure, because I feel like it's going to be hard to talk about without doing that. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I'm going to go three and a half. Uh, I'm going to go like a soft four. Yeah, it's like three and a half soft four for me. Let me just play the ending for you. No, no, I don't want to see how it ends. Okay, I could describe it. Um, Imagine you're in a room. No, 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 I don't want to know how it ends. I haven't seen the beginning Uh, yet. Yeah, but the ending is awesome. So if I could just play the... This is what you always do. You always spoil stuff Uh, for me. No, I don't. And if I could just play the ending for you real quick, then we'll discuss that. Motherfucker, you always spoil everything before I get a chance to see it. Okay, you sound like a crazy person right now. Bimble Jam Cramblebottom is uh, a cowboy who learned cowboying from his good friend. Uh, what the fuck? I can't even remember. Cow- a cowboy. Cowboy E-pop. Curtis. Um, I actually don't. It's like Bronco Henry. That's it. Fucking Bronco Henry. There it is. Yeah. Um. So. He's just like he constantly references Bronco Henry back when men were men. Uh, and like. It's uh, it's a fixation for him, and and you can kind of see where that goes, because uh, it turns out that uh, Phil is a gay man and apparently had been, I guess, groomed by Bronco Henry. That's kind of how I understood it. I mean, he also says that. You know, he was around Peter's age whenever he met Bronco Henry. So uh, it, unless they're trying to say Peter is younger than maybe like 18, mm-hmm. then uh, I, I don't know if groomed is the correct term there. Yeah, I don't I don't like that verbiage. It's it's more like it's not like it was a fucking uncon- non-consensual thing, but like. Right. Um, Like, despite his mentor being dead for many years now, like Phil's still very much obsessed with the idea of him, I guess, uh, to the point where there's a, a scene where he has Bronco Henry's old handkerchief that he's jerking off with. And, you know, 
Then he jumps in the lake with the, his fucking cum rag around his neck. <laughs> sure but did. Then, yeah, like at one point, the the kid finds like Phil's like male like homoerotic porn stash, like mm-hmm. a stash of pornography, not like a mustache that a person in pornography <laughs> would have. Right, I know what you meant, but uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm just, you know, for the sake of clarity. And that was kind of the thing, like, Phil and all the ranch hands kind of fixated on, because, like, Peter, he's, you know, a skinny, scrawny kid. He's uh, studying to be a surgeon. And, uh, you know, they're like, hey, who's this, you know, fancy boy, little little Lord Fauntleroy, and just kind of berate him. But uh, but it turns into uh, kind of a a thing between the two of them. Yeah. Uh, like Phil, Phil kind of takes him under his wing eventually after like psychologically harming him irreparably. Right. Well, so I feel like he does it in order to be like, Hey, look, we're going to be buddies. Now you're not going to tell anybody what you fucking saw. Cause that's the last thing my manliness needs is, is mm-hmm. for everybody to understand that I'm probably gay. Even though I don't want to say it to anybody, because it's Montana in nineteen twenty something. I thought it was. Uh, I thought it was like early nineteen hundreds, because uh, I don't know. It was. It was after the advent of the automobile. So, mm. not sure exactly what what time period it was, but it, it's still you know enough where you know definitely homosexuality not a thing. I mean, that's why they literally made fun of this man to his face that he is gay. Mm -hmm. Which, like, it doesn't even really say if he is or isn't. They just kind of jump on his shit. Right. And I don't think it has to. I think it's the point is that we don't know and we never know. It's just like these guys are. I mean, as we saw, like they're, they're fucking playing like. In the in the the creek fucking buck buck naked with each other. So maybe like. Yeah, so like all of them are kind of, you know, the one dude's trying to rip off another dude's underwear. So it's like everybody's a little gay. <laughs> right. So like we, uh, I, I we see know. a fully nude uh, bramble, bramble, bram, cramble, gramble. Yeah. Uh, rubbing mud all over his penis, I guess, to scour <laughs> off the to exfoliate and then diving in the water. <laughs> So you see, you see Dr. Strange Dong, Dr. Strange Dog and how I learned to stop worrying and love the, 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 the dog. ranch. Yeah. The ranch. Uh, yeah. And love yeah. the dog, I guess. So like, yeah. So there's some level of that maybe they're actually like comfortable with their sexuality enough to be like, Hey, we're, we're definitely not gay, but we, we know a Nancy when we see one and yeah. they just, fucking well, they just say, they say no homo before they, Right. Uh, start passing out bro jobs. <laughs> hey, man, we've been we've been on this ranch for a few months and you haven't gotten any. Let me help you out. No Some, homo. Sometimes it gets cold out there. You have to get naked and get under a bedroll with your buddy to survive. Right. And oh, whatever I mean, happens in the bedroll stays in the bedroll. Naked? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, he never confirms whether him and... Uh, I already forget the guy's name. Bronco Henry were, Bronco Henry. were nude or not, but right. it's implied. So, like, it, it's kind of genius by Peter that this has basically all been a scheme uh, <laughs> since, like, Phil started being like, hey, let's be buddies. Let's be they, pals. Let's wrestle around. You know, I'll, I'll be your yeah, shadow. Here's they, you. There's Phil. There's you. There's <laughs> whoops a daisy. I cut my hand on this pile of logs. And uh, they really do foreshadow things out. Like if if you're paying close attention, like all the pieces are there for what's going to happen. Uh, but like it's still. It's still like really well executed, I felt like. So like as Jesse Plemons is kind of in and out of the script, uh, Kirsten Dunst is just devolving into madness. Um, So like. uh, Peter starts learning the the ranch life from Phil a bit. And. uh, But like the whole time, it's just, you know, because they they say like. 
because Peter's father died by suicide. Um, mm. But like he has that one scene where he's like, yeah, my my dad said, you know, like, I'm not kind enough, like that. I was I was too strong or whatever. And Phil kind of scoffs at it. Right. But like you see throughout the movie, like Peter's kind of remorseless, like he he gets like a cute bunny that he catches and like, you know, you think it's going to be like, oh, he's, you know, just a fancy lad who wants to have a cute pet uh, and then cut to him dissecting it on his fucking table. Um, so like. If you haven't seen the movie, uh, like, I hope you skipped over this, but uh, Peter does kill Phil. Now, whether it's 100% intentional or not, like, they don't come right out and say it, but, like, right. it's enough there that, like, it could go either way. But basically, like, uh, so Phil was teaching him the the ranch life, so he was, like, making him this rawhide rope, and he was going to teach him how to use it. Uh, so Kirsten Dunst, in a fit of drunken rage, gives away all of their uh, cow pelts, cow hides to uh, mm-hmm. the Indians to get back at Phil for being a dick to her. Yep. Uh, so he's Phil's all freaked out because now he can't get his new potential boyfriend uh, this cool rope for their anniversary. Um, <laughs> sure. And uh, Peter's like, oh, I've got some hide that you know i i set aside that you can use uh to finish it up so like they do so but it turns out that uh you know peter kind of went on a ride on his own and was like doing his science dissecting thing uh to like this dead cow that he found uh turns out cow died of anthrax and uh the hide is riddled with anthrax which gets into Phil's uh, hand cut that he got in a previous scene. So whenever yeah. he's soaking the rawhide to soften it up to weave together, uh, the anthrax in the water and the blood all mixed together and uh, Bimbledon Cumberbum uh, gets anthrax and fucking dies. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's very interesting because, like you said, there there was that scene where Peter's like, yeah, my dad said I was too feared that I'd be too strong. And like like you said, Cumberbatch scoffs, but it's like all he sees is physical strength as being. Yeah. You, you know what? What's We're, strong, not mental. But, but or he's emotional. playing the long con. Oh, yeah. And uh, like he covers his tracks well enough that like there's no way that it would ever be traced back to him. And like, even if it was, he could just be like, oh, I didn't know, you know. Right. So, I mean. He did it. He He pulled off yeah. the perfect murder. You know, right, right as his mom got to be her worst is when he he finally got rid of the man who was tormenting his new family. To the, like, you can even tell with Pl- Jesse Plemons, like the beginning of the movie, that he is so sick of Phil's shit that he will literally do anything else in order to avoid Phil's shit because he's just that awful. Yeah, but yeah, cool flick. Yeah. Apparently based on a book. We'll never read the book, so thank you, movie, for explaining a book to me. Thank you for being the book. Uh, Speaking of uh, having a story explained to us, uh, we have a cautionary tale of Netflix for you. Welcome to Cautionary Tales of Netflix. We're Netflix and Swill. You know, one-star movies are terrible. They'll make you want to gouge your fucking eyes out. And that's what this show is all about. Warning people about the dangers of shitty movies. Uh, that's right. Uh, this week's cautionary tale, or this month's cautionary tale of Netflix, is Live By Night. Live By Night is a 6.4 out of 10 on IMDb. It is an action crime drama uh, written and directed by Ben Affleck, starring Ben Affleck. Uh, A group of Boston-bred gangsters set up shop in balmy Florida during the Prohibition era, facing off against the competition and the Ku Klux Klan. It's an attempt at a gangster movie. Uh, Ben Affleck narrates, like, 70% of it, so he just tells us what's happening. Mm -hmm. Now, I, I, I sat there 
on the on the episode of Epic Film Guys when Nick first watched this. Uh, he went to the theaters. He paid money to go see this because it was brand new. And uh, he just sat there and told me, Dan, you would hate this. This is all narration. Uh, he, he narrates even over the best part of the movie. And I went, oh, that sucks. That's really a shame. Why would they do that? Uh, especially when you look at the budget of $90 million. Like, there's no reason for them to have narrated over the entire part of the movie. Nick, what part was that? Because I don't remember. <laughs> because if it was the hotel sequence that they're talking about, that's the best part of the movie. The, the hotel part's the best part, easily. Right? Yeah. I don't know. There's a couple actually like pretty good shootouts. Like they do that kind of like quick cut news really type stuff for a bunch of other sequences where he explains over it. But yeah, I mean, like I didn't I, I wanted it like I guess I really wanted him to get to Tampa as soon as possible and then see how the story developed from there because it seemed like, you know, Boston wasn't going to be it. Yeah. This movie has like a decent sense of style mm -hmm. and like a couple, like I said, a couple good like action beats, but all like on the whole, it, it's just kind of forgettable and whatever. It is whatever. I don't hate this movie like Nick wants me to. I yeah. like I'm not going to go out there and be like, oh, my God, potential Academy Award winning movie. Not, no, it, it's well, not that. If uh, if money is anything to talk about here, like the budget is estimated to be like altogether uh, 108 million mm. uh, cumulative worldwide gross uh, 22 million, 678,000. So this is a massive, massive bomb. Oh, yeah, big time. But like, yeah, I, I watch it. I understand where Nick hates it. And I kind of don't care. Yeah, because it's like I don't have that visceral reaction. Like, yes, does Ben Affleck narrate a lot? Yes. Does that hurt the movie? Absolutely. But I still think it's an okayish little gangster movie that yeah. kind of has no point. But gangster movies you know, don't whatever. really do a lot for me to begin with. So. Mm -hmm. um. I knew I knew what I was getting. It it does what it says on the tin. Um, I don't know. I liked seeing the KKK guy get shot five times in the chest. Yeah, that was great. Love that. Big fan of that. And uh, that's the movie. Yeah. I mean, it, it it just felt like it was like, hey, new thing, new scenario, the movie. Like it was like you're playing a video game. And you're uh, a mob boss and you got to now you got to put down the KKK and now you got to talk to the chief of police and now you got to go shoot the gangsters. You know, and it just felt like a, a random story that kind of went places and I enjoyed enough of it that I didn't care. Yeah. I also don't care. Uh, what would you rate this? Two and half. Yeah, like two, I guess. All right. Well, you will win Nick's favor this week because you liked it less. <laughs> uh, so next week, what are we doing? Because I left the main topic blank. So it's your pick. You you you're the man now, dog. Next week, I think we're going to watch Elves. Because uh, it's December and it's a Christmassy horror movie, I guess. Uh, FYI, that is a series. Oh, OK. I can never tell. I know. That's why I keep them straight for you. The trailers usually don't say so. It's a big shortcoming. Yeah. Uh, and then on the back of that, we're going to be watching something called The Man Who Feels No Pain. Now, tell me about this. Uh, good question. OK, so I said, you know, remember how I just said Elves is uh, a series. Uh, it's six episodes. They're they're 26 minutes at most. So big W, uh, the man who feels no pain. This is given to us by Chris Yaney. Uh, it's um, it's a foreign language movie. I'm trying to find it. 
I have to now go to our Patreon to find it because uh, Chris put in the actual real title. Oh, I'm logged into my Patreon, so that's a that's a shame. Because now I got to do the whole password. Hey, everybody, I'm not trying to steal my own identity. Oh, no, here it is. I'm on the edge of my seat. Uh, It's called Mard Kodard Nahin Hota. I did my best at spelling that out. Okay, so it's called Mard Kodard Nahin Hota. It's a Bollywood action movie. All right, Caleb, I need to hear it. Give me some names. Uh, it stars Abhimanyu Dasani, okay. Radhika Madan, and Gulshan Devaya. All right, those are too easy. Well, how about Mahesh Manjrakar, Jamit Trivedi, Lovleen Mishra, Sartaj Kakar, and Riva Aurora? Sartaj Kakar, uh... Oh, written and directed by Vasan Bala. Oh, man. This is going to be fantastic. This, this is his Citizen Kane. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. Uh, the logline is leveraging his ability to withstand pain. A young man trains to fall in the footsteps of his martial arts hero in this high action meta comedy. So can't so, wait. I'm hope I'm hoping for Bollywood Kung Fu Hustle. It'd be great. I'd like that. Yeah. I guess we'll see. It's true. All right, uh, tell them stuff, Dan. You can find our show at NetflixandSwill.com if you want to stop shop for all things Netflix and Swill. Check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash Netflix and Swill in order to support us. Uh, there's also some bonus content there. Uh, yeah. Uh, also, be on the lookout for our Christmas epi, which we still need to kind of nail down what we're doing. I believe me, I wanted to do Love Hard. Uh, the boy who the boy called Christmas and then uh, a castle for Christmas because fuck us. Will that be out before <laughs> uh, Christmas this year? I hope so. Let's find out. Uh, that's it. All right. Thank you to space weather for the use of our theme song bitter, uh, which is how Kirsten Dunst felt about going insane. It's true. Uh, And until next week, this is Caleb saying we'll see you next Tuesday. Netflix and Swill is an independent podcast. As such, we believe in the scrappy underdogs of the podcast world. If you're an indie podcast and would like us to run your promo on our show, please contact us. The little guys need to stick together. If you enjoy what we're doing, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts and telling a friend. The more we grow, the better the show will be. Thank you for being part of the Netflix and Swill family.